It's the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. It is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. I'm Shauna. Beckler is still away today. What a game yesterday. Okay, I know I said yesterday that we try and stray away from some of the hockey talk, but I'm sorry. After the game last night where the the Flames won 9-6, it's a little tough not to talk about that game. The Red Mile was uh, hopping once again last night. Uh, People were walking down 17th. They shut down the street and all that kind of stuff. I'll give you a quick update, actually, to kick off this podcast on on what my night was like and what happened. Um, We also have another hot fashion item for you today. A super interesting etymology, one that I found uh, really, really funny and also really bizarre. Uh, That's coming up. I give you the history of the Caesar as it's technically National Caesar Day. We did this a while back, but I wanted to replay it for you. I don't know if you realize this, but the Caesar was actually invented in Calgary. So talk about how that came to be. I have a bit of a moral question regarding something I encountered yesterday. I was very tempted to buy something, but I'm not sure I even should have considered it. I have a way to sell those nosebleed seats in the uh, saddle dome. They're known as the press level seats. I've got a, a suggestion on how we can sell those better. But first, the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Oh my God, there's a guy walking in a Flames jersey across the street right now. Guaranteed he did not go home last night. Hello, fellow. How you doing? Oh, that is just phenomenal. Oh, I love it. God, I do love being on 17th Avenue when we get to witness this kind of thing. And a little bit of the Red Mile as well. It's fantastic. It's funny, I was, I was actually tempted to go to the game last night. Then I didn't. Okay, because I'm I'm actually going on a trip on Saturday, and I was like, okay, I've, I have a pa- I have to pack. I have a lot of things I have to get done for this trip. Not to mention, I don't want to wear myself down or you know get sick before the trip or any of that. So I was like, no, I'll stay home. I'm gonna get a good sleep. Well, that didn't happen. I actually started watching the game, and then I fell asleep when it was four one for the Flames. And then I woke up, and it was 5-6 for the Flames, and I was like, what on God's green earth? So, of course, then I stayed up to watch the rest of the game. And then I was like, okay, now I'll try and sleep. And then the Red Mile made it down to my place, and at around 11.30, there were honks and screams, and there there was actually a child screaming, go Flames, go, outside my window. Always makes me feel old when there is a, a small child who is out and about, and here I am trying to sleep after all that, so... It was madness, though. This city was absolutely electric last night. It is so much fun to be a part of this. Sleep is for the week, okay? I'm actually tempted, because I'm supposed to be at the airport at about 3 a.m. on Saturday morning. I'm tempted to go to the game Friday and then just kind of do some Red Mile stuff and then go straight to the airport. Is that insane? I mean, I at this point, I can sleep... I can sleep on the plane, right? Or as I said, like sleep is for the dead. Who cares? The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Etymology with Shauna. So today I learned the origin of the term the peanut gallery. You may have heard that growing up. You know, maybe you're on a road trip with your parents and they'd yell, hey, quiet in the peanut gallery back there, will ya? Or something along those lines. Well, where did that come from? So the peanut gallery was once used to refer to people who were sitting in the cheap seats in vaudeville theaters. Now, here's the thing. Back then, if you didn't like a performance, you would actually throw things at the performers. I'm sure you've heard of the the throwing of tomatoes before. That was fairly common. But I guess people in the cheap seats were also known to throw peanuts at performers on stage if they didn't like what they saw. And, of course, as the cheap seats were often called the gallery, well, that's where the term the peanut gallery comes from, from people in cheap seats that used to literally throw peanuts. Also, the... The idea of throwing bad food at performers, like, 
My God, I was reading about how that got started. And there's this New York Times article from 1883. The writer spoke of this actor, John Ritchie, being so bad that the audience threw rotten eggs and rotten tomatoes at him. I guess one of the tomatoes actually hit him right between the eyes and dropped him, which... I mean, it's not funny, but a little bit funny. But those are some ridiculously high-stakes performances, no? Like, can you imagine doing that now? Going to a concert, and if you don't like it, you just start throwing old food at the band? Also, I was thinking about the logistics of this. Like, where did people put these? Did did people just smuggle in rotten food with them every time they went to a performance, just in case? Because they normally, you know, dressed up for these shows. So where did they put this rotten food exactly? Oh, yes, I have tomatoes hiding in my booth, Jay, just in case we don't like this. Okay, don't worry. Don't mind me. Are you hungry or... And then what if you like the performance? You just, you keep the rotten tomatoes up in there, you know, like come home and bake some lasagna with those smushed tomatoes later. Oh, yes, I hope you enjoy the spaghetti. It was made with my throw-in tomato. VNS in 20 minutes or less. I was actually eyeing up some press-level tickets for the Flames game yesterday. I decided against it, which was probably a mistake because my reasoning was so that I could sleep. I was like, no, I don't want to go to the game so I can get a good sleep. But yeah, I mean, I do you think I got any sleep after that debacle? No, I fell asleep when it was 4-1, woke up and it was 5-6. And I was like, what in God's green earth is going on here? Watched the rest of the game and then, you know, tried to go to sleep after that. And I couldn't. I was too riled up. And then people were screaming because the Red Mile was down past my place. Anyway, anyway. As I was waffling about going to the game, I did get to thinking, I think we need to change the name of the press level seats. Like those seats in the upper bowl, they're called press level seats. And I get why they're called that, because you're kind of the same eye level as the press, essentially, the play-by-play in that. But I know we have difficulty selling those seats for regular games, and I think a name rebrand might help, you know? So I've come up with some other options for you to consider as of course, the team is the Flames. I thought about some some Flames-related options, that kind of thing. So what about this? What about the upper grill? You know, think of a barbecue, and the Flames are down low, and then you're on the, the top grill up there, so the upper grill. What about that, you know? Or along the same lines, the warming rack? No, I don't like that one. Uh, what about the smokestack? I, like, as smoke rises, right? The flames are on the ice, and you're up in the smokestack. That's a pretty sweet name. Yeah, I got some smokestack tickets. I like that one. Or uh, this one, the Bunsen, because the upper part of a flame is called the Bunsen. The Bunsen benches, maybe. Okay, what about this one? The smoke plume. Yeah, I got tickets in the smoke plume. Tickets in the, in, in the plume. I think that sounds way better than press level seats. You know, like, don't you? It just sounds so boring in comparison. I think, and I mean, when you're up there, there's more of a chance that Terry is going to have a dart, so it probably actually will be a little smoky up there as well, okay? The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Got a couple other suggestions on that. The sizzle rack, which is kind of cool. The sizzle rack, I mean, they call it a sizzle reel too when you have just a bunch of highlights and stuff, so if there's ever some some footage of all the Terrys up there doing God knows what, then you could call that the sizzle reel. Another one, the ring of fire. Which, I mean, that is super simple and totally makes sense. Just call it the Ring of Fire up there. Why not? Genius. There's just so much good stuff when it comes to the Flames. So many things you can do to, to play with that. We were talking earlier about how the, the Red Lot viewing area, I think, is kind of a lame name as well. We need to come up with a better one for that, too. In fact, somebody tweeted at the Calgary Sun saying, can we call it the Fire Pit? Credit to Shauna Jefferson on that one. I think that's way better than the Red Lot. So let's go hang out at the Red Lot. This is just me. Maybe I'm just 
Maybe I'm being too critical. I'm just trying to help us sell things better here. The excitement is real, okay? I'm very excited about all this. Just trying to help out over here. The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. You know, TV technology has come a long way. Like, we have these crazy QLED 8K options and 3D options and 98-inch screens and these projectors and everything. But we only seem to focus on the quality of the TV screen itself. And there are a couple features that I feel should have existed years ago and for some reason still don't exist. The first one, okay, is a button on the side of your TV that pings your TV remote. Just for when you misplace the remote, you can just hit that button and the remote will ding so you know where it is. This seems unbelievably simple. I don't understand how this isn't a thing yet. Like, how many times do you misplace a remote a day? We have that tech for cordless phones, for God's sake. Why don't we have them for remotes yet? So that's number one. The other thing, how do we not have an unbreakable TV screen yet? For those tense moments when you're watching a sporting event and you want to throw something at your TV, for those frustrating times, you know, playing video games where you just want to toss your remote at the screen, the number of TV screens that are broken from a small fit of rage makes me feel as though an unbreakable screen should definitely be a thing. Well, the more I think about it, like, is is the reason you throw something to smash it? So if you did try to toss your remote, you know, in a fit of rage and the TV didn't break, would that just make you even more angry and then you'd go for something else? I'm curious. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I'd imagine there may be a few Oilers fans with broken TVs right now, especially with how that game started last night with a couple goals in the first minute and then penalty. And, I mean, you could call it the Terry Special, you know? Come try out the new 8K QLED Terry V. Comes with a pack of darts and an unsmashable screen for Oilers fans everywhere. VNS in 20 minutes or less. Smickler and I like to keep up on the latest, the hottest in fashion. We always try to keep, you know, a, an ear to the ground and an eye on the fashion in the streets to see what's hot out there. We're not really fashionable people ourselves, but we like to keep up on these types of things. We do. Uh, here's one for you. Flames jersey. Oh, yeah, they're everywhere, and people are wearing them under suits. People are wearing them at weddings. And you know what? When the Flames are in the playoffs, that is completely allowed. You should get a pass. If you're going to court, doesn't matter. You should be able to wear a Flames jersey. You should be able to wear it everywhere. And I am. I mean, you're seeing it all over the place, and it has certainly become a hot fashion item here in Calgary. So, I mean, who am I to judge, right? The hottest in fashion, the Calgary Flames jersey. Made of an extremely absorbent material, able to soak up the tears of Oilers fans and nervy poops as well. Best accessorized with a broom to sweep the Oilers right out of town after we win in four games. Just to make that clear. Oh yes, so hot. Literally, because they're the flames. Get it? Okay, then. The BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I've observed a few more TV tropes that I'd like to discuss with you. Uh, and these ones all have to do with weddings. I was thinking about this. I was like, if you didn't know what a real wedding was like and you just watched the ones on TV, you would be absolutely terrified to get married. Because in the movies, well, first of all, people object to you getting married a ton. The officiant will all be, if anyone sees a reason for these two not to be wed, speak now or forever hold your peace. And then sure as hell, somebody stands up in dramatic fashion in just about every TV show or movie, right? Like I object or somebody bursts through the door in dramatic fashion. You can't marry him. You know, I've never seen that in real life, nor have I heard of that ever actually happening. And it, it's good because if you object to wedding, you'd you'd kind of hope that you'd have that discussion before the wedding 
is actually happening. Like not bursting through the doors as the couple is literally saying, I do. Your timing is awful, okay? Another trope to do with marriage, the groom being left at the altar. The bride has this change of heart last minute and stands the groom up. Another thing that I really hope doesn't happen often because that is just terrible. Imagine going through all the motions of a wedding and then standing your groom up. Again, maybe discuss your doubts before the actual day of the wedding. It's going to save you a lot of money as well. Another one, some drunk at your wedding always smashes your wedding cake. Those cakes can be thousands of dollars and then somebody trips and then everything goes into slow motion and the cake is ruined. How often does that actually happen in real life? I mean, I, I guess for my cousin's wedding, I, I did go walk up to the wedding cake, stick my finger in it, and then take a big scoop of icing. Okay, so I guess that's sort of ruining the cake. I was just testing it out, though, to make sure it was good for everybody else. Okay, I was young at the time. Like last year. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Hey, hey, what did you learn today? So there are a ton of ridiculous beauty regimes. And I mean, if you ever watch Goop with Gwyneth Paltrow and the things that she claims that are good for your, your health and your beauty and everything, you know this. But uh, I didn't realize that this has gone on for a very long time. People claiming that things will help with your face and making you look youthful forever. That goes back to ancient Rome. I guess the whole trying to sell you on bird poop facials thing goes back that far. This is what the Romans used to do, though. The Romans were convinced that gladiator sweat was a magical serum. So wealthy women would buy these vials of sweat and dirt that were actually scraped from the skin of famous gladiators and use it as a face cream. They would. They were told that this would help and fight aging and all that kind of stuff. I guess the fat from the animals fighting in the arena was also sold and also told that it was good for you. But the the sweat was actually scraped from the bodies of the gladiators. And then women would take that and they'd put that all about their skin. Did anybody ever realize that it probably made their skin far worse? Like, if you're putting sweat onto your skin from somebody else along with dirt, that would do the opposite of clear up your skin and make you look youthful. It would definitely really hurt your skin in fact you'd get acne did they have acne back then you'd get that for sure this is very bizarre to me really is but here we go again no matter what age no matter how long ago we have always been convinced that ridiculous things will help us stay youthful the bns and 20 minutes or less podcast so i don't know if you saw this but coldplay has decided that to raise awareness for climate initiatives they're they're going to try and cut their show's co2 emissions by 50 percent so part of doing this is setting up these stationary bikes at their shows that concert goers can then ride. And the pedal power of these bikes will then help generate the power for the show. So now you get to go to a concert and you get to work out at the same time. That I don't think that's for me. Also, I mean, the little amount of power those bikes would actually generate would be absolutely nothing. Like, Do you know how much energy is used in the stage lights alone for a stadium tour like that? I mean, you'd probably generate enough power for Chris Martin's phone charger, but that would be about it. I'm just envisioning, though, a spin class now where Chris Martin of Coldplay is at the front of the class. Okay, now up and down and up and spin. And now that I envision this, I actually could see Chris Martin as a spin instructor. Like, maybe that's what he should do next. That should be his next venture. He sings your workout to you, you know, so you can get the concert and your workout at the same time. And he's just your spin instructor. And it's all yellow. Your 
Well, you need to put some water in you. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Well, it's National Caesar Day today, and uh, actually fitting. If you had a few too many last night, you can go enjoy a Caesar. One thing I find kind of shocking, though, is how many people I meet who have lived in Calgary for a very long time who do not realize that the Caesar drink was invented right here in the city. Like that delicious Caesar that we all enjoy with our hangovers, invented in Calgary. So I thought it might be fun to have a, a bonus heritage moment today where we talk about how the Caesar came to be because cause why not, you know? Why not? So happy National Caesar Day. And this is for you. A Calgary Heritage Moment. You've surely heard by now that the Caesar, the famous hangover drink that Canadians love, was invented right here in Calgary. But you may not know how that all came to be. It all began with a man named Walter Chell. Walter was born in Montenegro to a countess who died during his birth. He was raised in an Italian orphanage, grew up to learn the hotel business in Switzerland, and then immigrated to Canada with his wife, who was a switchboard operator at the time. While in Canada, Walter found work at a place called the Calgary Inn. A new restaurant was opening at the inn named Marcos, and Walter was asked to invent a signature drink for the opening. It was supposed to go with the theme of Mediterranean food, so Walter immediately thought of tomatoes and seafood. After several months of experimenting, Walter, for some godforsaken reason, thought it would be a good idea to squeeze the excess juice from clams into a mixture of tomato juice. Turns out he was a genius. It's delicious, although it certainly doesn't sound appetizing. He then added some spices, Worcestershire, Worcestershire. Worcestershire. and vodka, and in 1969 declared this drink the Bloody Caesar. He says the reason he added bloody to the front of it was because a British customer tried it out and said it was bloody good. Who knows if this is true, but this is how the legend of Walter Chell goes. Shortly after Walter's invention, the Duffy Mott Company introduced Mott's Clamato Cocktail, a simple pre-made clam tomato mix which made life much easier for bartenders across the country, as by the 1970s this was the most popular drink in Calgary and thereafter Canada. Although this is the first time a clam tomato cocktail truly took off, there is proof of similar ideas from much earlier on. One called the Smirnoff Smiler, a jigger of vodka added to tomato and clam juice, plus a dash of Worcestershire, as it said in the paper. A drink described by a newspaper columnist as the best pick-me-up since Eve winked at Adam. There's also proof of a drink called a clam digger, a similar recipe said to be invented by a vodka promoter and salesman for Mott's themselves. And in the early 1900s, a recipe for a clam cocktail could be found in a cookbook called Modern American Drinks. Regardless, none of these versions took off the way the Caesar did, so Walter's Caesar clearly won the race. Canada now drinks 33 million Caesars a month, which is roughly 12 Caesars a year for every man, woman, and child in Canada. Unfortunately, the original home of the Caesar is no longer around, as the Calgary Inn is now the Westin downtown, and Marco's is now the keg restaurant on 4th. Regardless, it's truly a Canadian treasure. This has been a Calgary Heritage Moment. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. So I have a bit of a moral question for you. Yesterday, when I was coming home from work, there was this guy walking down the street with a shopping cart and then perched atop this cart was a, a big curved screen TV with a sign on it that said for sale. So, of course, when I first see this, my first question is, wh- where did this TV come from exactly? Because you'd think if you wanted to sell your TV, you'd go through, you know, the normal methods of, I don't know, Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace or uh, a garage sale, something like this. But this guy just has this random TV without a box perched on top of a shopping cart with just a, a for sale sign. But here's the thing. I need a new TV and I've been looking for one for my bedroom. And I think this guy was only asking 100 bucks for this. So I was I was kind of tempted, 
I mean, I would have asked to, to plug it in, make sure it was all working and everything before giving him the money. But I mean, that is a hell of a deal for a curved TV. But here's where the question comes in. Like, just not knowing where this TV came from, is that wrong? Like, in general, if you have an inkling that something might be stolen or was acquired through uh, perhaps illegal means, would you still buy it? Like, if it's a hell of a deal, is it is it wrong? Is that kind of like capitalizing on somebody else's misfortunes if you do that? I'm just curious here. Did not buy the TV, by the way. Just kept on going. But I did for a moment think about that, and I... Not sure if I should have. You've been listening to the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have BNS in 20 Minutes or Less downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.